Holidays are here, and so is fashionable fitness. Gift yourself a Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G, a phone that folds in half to literally stand on its own. Pair it with the Galaxy Watch 4 for ultimate wellness and wow factor. Check health stats, flex personal records. Over 90 activities can be tracked, like biking, swimming, golfing, and more. Invest in yourself with tech made to crush goals. Holidays open up with Galaxy. Shop it all at Samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with Carrier. Products sold separately. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, everybody, it's Sam with Wrestling Overtime. And I'm giving you, I guess, a special episode. Or at least I consider it a special episode. I hadn't planned on watching Bloodsport 4 on February 13, 2021. This is a partnership with GCW and Josh Barnett. I had watched one of the other Bloodsports and absolutely loved it. I actually didn't know... That February 13th was blood, blood, blood Sport 4. I knew there was a Blood Sport on February 20th, but didn't realize he was doing two on back to back weekends. Happened to just run across a short blurb, and I had already did predictions. For Impact Wrestling's pay-per-view, No Surrender, um, that was on Impact Plus, and realized, you know, I really need to watch that. That is, you know, more important to me. And so, I didn't realize that I would have to make a choice. Now, luckily, I was able to find a replay of it. And I'll tell you what, I encourage any of you, you can go to bloodsport.watch. Um, it was interesting. I think the thing that shocked me was how many pro wrestlers were on it. Um, it seemed to me the last Bloodsport I watched, and I wanted to say it was number two. It may have been number three. I watched it because I've heard of Josh Barnett, but I mainly watched it because John Moxley was on it. It seemed like there were a lot more MMA fighters or Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighters on it than there were maybe on this one. Or maybe the lines are just overlapping more. Um, 
I'm not 100% sure. For those who haven't watched it, I encourage you to watch it. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, the announcers are Josh Barnett and Max Britos. And they go over the rules in the beginning. And I tried to get most of them down. There's no biting. No eye gouging. No groin attacks. No foreign objects. And if a fighter ends up outside of the ring, then the fighter must be allowed to f- return freely. And they must return within 10 seconds or lose by TKO. You can only win by a knockout, a referee stoppage, which they consider TKO, or by submission. Now, this was held at an undisclosed location in L.A. They kept repeating that so that you would make sure that you realize that. The lighting in it was excellent. It was really dark around it. It looked like it was held in a warehouse. Um, there were what appeared to be some blood sport banners hung around, but the cameras on it were unbelievable. Um, there weren't cuts. Um, it was edited together. It wasn't live, but I mean, I guess I'm used to watching wrestling and you know, one punch, they do five cuts. And it wasn't that. It, it was fighting at its best. They do a small video package. It's probably three to five minutes before each fight. Just to kind of get you to know who you're going to be seeing and what their background is. The early fighters, I didn't know. I'll just, I'll be honest with you. The first fight is um, Diego Perez and Gil Garaldo. I had never heard of them. Um, they were both MMA fighters that are still currently fighting. Um, Diego Perez actually trains with Josh Barnett, and you got to see part of uh, him training with him in the video package. Garado trains with Team Couture in Vegas, and if you don't know that, Randy Couture, Um, and I was excited about that. This first match... Um, I was a little let down because from what I remember, I remember it being a lot faster paced, a lot more exciting. Um, but they seem to get over on each other almost too easy. Um, they got in mounts really easy. They didn't last too long. 
Um, Diego Perez, on his very first mount, uh, ended up getting a front choke. And I kind of thought that um, Geraldo tapped fairly easy. His face wasn't that blood purple nasty red that I normally see in MMA fights and even some pro wrestling matches. So wasn't real sure. Started questioning myself, do these have predetermined outcomes? Um did he maybe give up too soon? Are we looking at a wrestling thing? I know there's a lot of wrestlers involved and just really started questioning myself. However, the second fight, I got a little more excited. Um, Royce Isaacs was taking on Calder McCoy. Um, I had recently became Twitter friends and Instagram friends with Calder McCall. He is a MMA fighter that has recently turned pro wrestler. And I have talked back and forth with him um, on Twitter. I've even went so far as to talk about possibly interviewing him at a later time. So, um, was interested in seeing him actually fight. Because I'd only heard about him turning pro wrestler and being on the independent scene. Had never actually seen him MMA fight. Uh, the announcers talked about how Royce Isaacs had played football. They showed a picture of him at 280 pounds. He's dropped down to 232 and had a background in amateur wrestling. And we're talking about how much quicker he was dropping the 50 pounds. Um, McCall was quicker um and he seemed uh over anxious uh excitable he seemed like he, he wanted to he had something to prove whereas Royce Isaac seemed more calm more in control um but Calder just kept after him over and over. He went for a sleeper. He had a choke. Uh, he ended up trying to get a triangle. He, um, I mean, he was like an Energizer bunny. Uh, finally, Isaacs hit him with a German suplex and then went for a wrist lock. It wasn't, couldn't get his hands gripped together. McCall went for a spinning arm bar and then transitioned to a triangle fairly easily, very, pretty smoothly, I should say. And he just looked unreal as quick as he was and how he transitioned. Um, it was... I mean, you could tell 
that he really wants it. And if he comes into pro wrestling half as excited, I will be super interested because I don't know if he can do a promo. I don't know if he's charismatic. I have no idea. But just seeing him in the ring and his smooth transitions, I want to see more of him in pro wrestling. Third match, a little weird. I'm, I'm just going to be real honest with you. Um, there was a guy, his name was Bad Dude Tito, who I guess has an MMA bad uh, background and... They kept talking about Bad Dude, you know, over and over and talking about his reputation. He took on a guy called Super Beast. Josh Barnett completely admitted he didn't know anything about Super Beast. The guy wore a mask, which I thought was a little weird. It's very hard to breathe in the type of mask he had. It was not a COVID-19 mask. It And it really wasn't a luchador mask. Um, he was pretty covered up. Didn't look like there was a hole for the mouth, but looked like it was kind of mesh. And it... This match, uh, like I said, it was just strange. You could tell Bad Tito had the experience as a veteran. Uh, actually wanted to perform wrestling maneuvers. However, somehow, he forgot this was a fight. This is not a wrestling match. This is not a wrestling show. This is this is a fight. Uh, Super Beast did not forget that. He came out wanting to show his power, his strength, and that he was just going to beat the crap out of somebody. Um, Tito ended up getting him in a headlock. Uh, he wanted to do a big backdrop suplex. Um, he wanted to do all of these wrestling maneuvers. He went for, um, or Super Beast went for an arm bar, and Tito um, countered it. And, no. Super Beast hit him, uh, he hit him with a couple chops. He then hit him with a huge German suplex. Um, people think Brock Lesnar's suplex. German is um, unreal. Super Beast's German Suplex definitely looked real. Um, then he hit a double wrist lock throw and held on for a submission. Got the submission in five minutes. And he looked pretty tough. I am looking forward. I hope he is there February 20th for uh, Bloodsport 5. I'm looking forward to, I want to see him go up against one of the bigger name opponents. Speaking of bigger name opponents, 
Match four was Alex Coughlin and Kratos. J.R. Kratos. Um, they said that Alex Coughlin was an L.A. Dojo young lion. I am hoping that eventually he will be on New Japan Strong. Of course, Kratos has been on New Japan Strong, um, and he's been on um, MLW. So I had seen Kratos before. He is humongous. He's a monster. Um, but Coglin, even though a little bit smaller, definitely not as powerful as Kratos, I felt like he semi held his own, especially for being a young lion. Kratos had a huge um, strength advantage, and he took advantage of right off the get-go, he hit a front neck lock suplex. It looked like it hurt Coglin's neck, and so Kratos continued to work that, work that, work that, the whole entire fight, and at one time, Coglin ended up taking Kratos down. He got a Fujiwara armbar on him, and I thought that's that's where it's at. He he did that, um, and then he hit a strike. He did a couple big stomps. And he actually even went for a deadlift gut-wrench suplex and got him over. And I was like, dag on. Immediately, Coglin went for another armbar submission, and uh, Kratos blocked it. At one point, the announcers talked about how Coglin was returning to the ring from an injury, but they really didn't talk about what the injury was, so wasn't really, I was really unsure what, what that was. The thing is, and what was amazing, and even if you don't watch this, it, it's two hours, well, it's a little over two hours long. Even if you don't watch all the fights, see if you can't find somewhere on YouTube, somewhere on the internet, where you can see the end of this match. Because it was unreal to me. Kratos, he hit a big knee right to Coglin's jaw. And you see Coglin just drop. Um... You know, he was out. Kratos didn't realize it and went to go to uh, follow up with some punches. And the referee actually got in his way by diving on top of Coglin because he was out. And I thought, tag one. I've seen Kratos wrestle 
so many times in so many different programs, he has not been that dominant. And I thought, how are these wrestling promotions not making him into this huge, gigantic monster and pushing him? Um, he looks better in real fighting in these blood sport matches than he does in wrestling. Uh, they really need to push him. I mean, big time. Need to push him in wrestling. Uh, now that I've seen this, um, you're going to hear me on future episodes talking that they have to push him. And now, anytime I see Kratos throw a knee, I'm going to be wondering how much power is he pulling back? Because, I mean, like I said, he put Coughlin out right now. Um, match number five was Nolan Edwards and Cal Jack. Nolan Edwards, I'm, I'm going to be nice to him. He looks like he's 12. He is fresh out of high school. They said he was brand new to the sport. He's had two years of wrestling experience. Compared to Cal Jack, very skinny. Um, really almost looked like a little boy against a man. Cal Jack uh, was a veteran with an amateur background and just a humongous size disadvantage. Um, this one was ended right before the four-minute mark. Um, Edwards tried to show some defense. Um, he tried to target Kyle Jack's leg with some um, kicks and, and, and different things, but Kyle Jack caught him with a German suplex and then suplexed him again, and it just took a lot out of him. He tried to hit a leg kick, and then he did something that I've never seen in Bloodsport. He did a jumping headbutt. Shocked the announcer, shocked me, and shocked Cal Jack. Um, Jack fell over, and I was like, whoa, maybe little Edwards can win this thing. Um, no. Um, Jack hit a gut wrench into a knee drop, and the referee thought that he might have to stop the fight, but Edwards said he was fine, and Cal Jack picked Edwards up and tossed him into the brick wall that maybe was three to four feet outside of the ring. Obviously, Edwards could not get up, and the referee had to stop the fight. Um, in the beginning, 
Edward showed he belonged. He just needs a little more training, and he needs to lift some weights to get some power. But I've never seen in Bloodsport, um, for those of you who haven't watched Bloodsport, um, let me describe the Bloodsport ring. It is a ring um, that has steel underneath it. It's like a wrestling ring, but you can see the underneath part. There is no uh, apron um, banner that goes around the ring like a, a, a skirt. So you can see, if if they would put the camera on the floor, you would be able to see straight through. There, There's nothing covering it or anything. There is also not really a mat, per se, covering it. There are um, ring posts, but no ring ropes. And so the, it is four-sided. And on the sides, what you would see as the sides from the announcer's table, like I said, there's a wall, a brick wall on either side because it's a, it looks like an empty warehouse. There's brick wall three to four feet away from the ring. If you're standing at one side and looking at it, the bottom part of the ring is open and there's a long hallway where um, the competitors come through. If you're looking at the top part of it, um, there's another wall and it's probably, I don't know, I'd say a good 20, 30, 40 feet away. You'll see a lot of the competitors put their jackets or uh, gloves or pants or whatever they wear to the ring on that side. There also appears to be a door in the right-hand corner. Um, but it's just a regular ring. And so at no point would it have occurred to me to pick up the person I'm against, and throw them up against this brick wall. But obviously it did to Cal Jack, and I wonder if in future blood sports, if we're not going to see that. Um, match number six was Simon Graham and Filthy Tom Lawler. Um, Filthy Tom has been on uh, MLW, has been on New Japan Strong, he still wrestles um, for them, but he is also still fighting MMA. He has taken on Simon Graham four previous times. He has beat him three to one. And so I was shocked that Josh Barnett made the fifth match. It was it was crazy, you know. Um, I knew Tom Lawler had had the MMA experience. Well, we got to see it. Um, Lawler hit a liver chop, and Grimm, you could tell it hurt him. Um, 
Then Grimm got a like a jumping front choke, and you could see Lawyer just countered it and ended up getting him on the mat. And Lawyer was going for Grimm's leg, but Grimm kicked him a couple times in the bike, and it seemed like it bothered Filthy a little bit, but Tom Lawyer hit another liver strike, and it crumpled uh, Simon Graham. I don't know any other way to describe that. It was within seven uh, minutes, and I really, I don't know any other way to describe it. For the simple fact that he laid there, he rolled over on his bike, and you could see him immediately pop up from the pain. He got off the mat. It looked like at one point he either did throw up or was going to throw up because you could just tell his liver was absolutely killing him. Um, match seven was the co-semi main event, I believe is what they called it. I was shocked. Calvin Tankman was in it. If you guys have been listening to some episodes, you've been hearing me talk about Calvin Tankman in MLW. His first two matches in MLW, he was he's 355 pounds. He's very young, and I was impressed with him. His last three matches in MLW, I haven't been so much impressed. He has some athletic talent. He needs to get in shape. His cardio is awful um, because each match in MLW has gotten longer, and he hasn't been able to last. Well... If you've been hearing these episodes and hearing me say that, and then you watch this match, you know I wasn't lying to you. He's taken on Davy Boy Smith Jr. Yes, the British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith's son. The one that is and has been wrestling in MLW. Um, Tankman tried to keep up with Davey Boy Smith Jr. and just could not. Smith Jr. is a veteran, and he showed it. Um, They traded some punches, traded some bombs back and forth. Um, He hit some big knees and then launched Smith Jr. uh, with a German suplex. But immediately, Davey Boy Smith um, got up, They started, again, trying to trade some blows, and after that, he took over. Uh, Davey Boy Smith Jr. hit big knees, he hit a backdrop suplex, uh, and then he applied the crossface. Tankman looked like he couldn't breathe and tapped. Three minutes. And I'm not lying. Three minutes. He completely 
overwhelmed him. And I thought, my God, this is the semi-main event. Josh Barnett must be ready to crawl under the announcer's table. Um, it, Tankman just, he just couldn't keep up with his experience. And I swear he, he went so hard in the first minute, minute 15, he just blew up. Then we get our main event. I can't tell you how impressed I was. Um, for those of you who just listened, um, I don't know how many episodes ago, like three, maybe four, uh, the New Japan Strong episode, you heard me talk about Chris Dickinson. Well, he is taking on Jeff Cobb in the main event. This was a really, really good main event. Um, Chris Dickinson is a maniac and is a monster. Yes, we all know about Jeff Cobb. He's an Olympian. Um, he knows wrestling backwards and forwards. Uh, but them going back and forth on the mat, uh, doing different stuff on the ground was impressive. At one point, uh, Dickinson got on top of uh, Jeff Cobb and hit him with some palm strikes, which phased uh, Jeff Cobb. And I thought, why is he not hitting him with punches? But uh, Cobb immediately reversed him and got on top. He got out of uh, Chris Dickinson's guard and jumped up. And I thought, why didn't he go to ground and pound? But um, Dickinson tried to get Cobb to join him back on the mat, and Cobb didn't. Uh, he wanted Dickinson to stand up. And I was like, okay. Um, Dickinson ended up getting some kicks in and took him back down. But immediately, Jeff Cobb, with all of his experience, got on his bike, and got on top of him, started throwing strikes, and, and they weren't palm strikes. They were actual strikes. Dickinson caught his arm and tried to go for an arm submission, and Cobb picked him up and hit a power slam. Um, but, you know, it at the end... It was Jeff Cobb's experience that won out. He ended up hitting a series of suplexes, and it reminded me of Brock Lesnar. I think he hit three, um, and he hit Dickinson on number two with the suplex in the very back part of his head, and... Dickinson, you could tell, was semi-out of it. Number three did him in. It, he hit him almost in the same exact place on the back of his head. And the referee ended up stopping it in a TKO. Um, I thought Dickinson looked awesome. I have never seen him look that good in a professional wrestling match in my life. 
And I feel the same way about him. I'm going to be talking about him with Kratos. Um, they need to show that kind of intensity, transitions, and power in the pro wrestling era that they showed in these fights. They really do. Jeff Cobb looked fantastic. Um, that crazy finishing sequence of suplexes and strikes at the end was unreal. Then we saw a promo for next Saturday, February 20th, Bloodsport 5, John Moxley is fighting again. And he called out Harry Smith. Now, me, being stupid, thought, Harry Smith, I'm going to hurt him, okay. And he said, I know you're the toughest in Bloodsport, and I'm going to rip your head off, and I'm going to put it on my wall. They showed Harry Smith. It is Davy Boy Smith Jr. I guess his real name is Harry Smith. And I did not know that. So we're going to see Davy Boy Smith Jr. versus uh, John Moxley as the main event next Saturday night on February 20th. And. I know GCW is having, I can't remember the name of it, I think it's Inception, having a pay-per-view, and I am now torn on what I'm going to watch. Because the GCW pay-per-view is Austin Aries versus Alex Hammerstone. Yes, you heard me right. That should be an awesome match. I'm going to end up probably watching both if I can and giving you episodes probably on both if I can. But right now I am torn on what I'm going to watch and I am sorry. <laughs> uh, as it gets closer, I will probably then tell you what I'm going to be watching. But if you guys have any questions, comments, problems, or protests, uh, you guys know you can hit me up on WrestlingOvertime at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at WrestlingOvertime. I hope that you enjoyed this bonus episode of Bloodsport 4. Um, I encourage you guys, if you can still watch it, to watch it if you can find it. Um, like I said, Bloodsport.watch is where I found it, and hopefully some of you will watch Bloodsport 5. Um, I will be talking to you guys soon, and I'll see you down the road. Holidays are here, and so is fashionable fitness. Gift yourself a Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G, a phone that folds in half to literally stand on its own. Pair it with the Galaxy Watch 4 for ultimate wellness and wow factor. Check health stats, flex personal records. Over 90 activities can be tracked, like biking, swimming, golfing, and more. Invest in yourself with tech made to crush goals. Holidays open up with Galaxy. Shop it all at Samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with Carrier. Products sold separately. For the ones who are always in the know. For the ones who keep things running. For the innovators and the problem solvers. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. Experienced staff at local branches and free access to experts to help answer your toughest questions. So whatever challenge you face, 
We have the knowledge and products to help. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.